You know, when Jesus came, when he first started preaching, the first things that, that came, he came after John the Baptist, <clears throat> the first things he said, he made two statements of fact and, and two imperatives, two statements of fact and two statements of, that were imperative statements for action. And they were, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. That's, a, that's what Jesus came on the scene saying, the time is at hand, the, the, uh, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's right, it's right here before you, repent, change your way of doing things, and believe the gospel. And then when he left in the book of Acts in chapter 1, it said, the, the last thing he said to his disciples was, uh, receive power, talking about the kingdom again, he talked to them about the kingdom before he left, came on the scene talking about the kingdom, left the scene talking about the kingdom. And he said, the time is fulfilled. Uh, the, the kingdom is at, of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then when he left, he said, receive power and be a witness. And I always thought, you know, be a witness is to go out and tell people about Jesus. But actually be a witness is you martyr yourself and live out what he's saying, and that will be your witness. And so it's uh, more what, how we live and what we do than um, what we say all the time. And so not that words aren't powerful because death and life are in the hand of the tongue, but um, it's also important that we live it out. Actually, I think our words are more for us, for our, for our body and for our mind. And the words come out of my mouth and into my heart to build up faith in my own heart so I can live out the gospel because it's uh, being a Christian ain't for sissies. You gotta be tough. You gotta be determined. And we're gonna see that. I wanna talk to you a little bit about the kingdom of God today because uh, this is our alternative lifestyle. We don't have to live like the world system. We have a much more exciting lifestyle than the world system does. So don't, you know, <laughs> this is so funny. Well, I used to smoke when I was younger. My, my sister's girlfriend, when I was about 13, they were 15, my sister's girlfriend sat me down one day and taught me how to inhale cigarettes. And I did it until I was sick. I mean, I was nauseous and sick, but bless God, I got better at it. And I smoked for about 20 years until I was about 33. And anyway, um, so when I started quitting smoking, it, it took the power of God. My husband was able to do it with his own strength, but I needed God's power to quit because I couldn't. I, I loved, I was often laughingly say, if the doctor said, Mrs. Pigeon, it's your cigarettes or your right arm. And I would say, how high do you think you need to cut? <laughs> you can take, take part of my right arm, but don't take my cigarettes. Because I had learned to depend on them. I was emotionally attached to smoking. And anyway, so one day I'm in the middle of quitting. Uh, actually, how the Lord worked that out was uh, he had me, uh, uh, my neighbor down the street that I hung out with some, she called and said she'd been the doctor and they thought they saw a spot on her lung. And so he told her she had to quit smoking. And when she said that, the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to join her. Because I had wrestled with, should I quit smoking? Do I need to quit smoking? Is it is it upset? I didn't know what God thought about it. I was just really a baby and learning new things. And so uh, I did. And and during the day, it was okay. I could get by with it. But during it, at night, I would always allow myself to have one or two cigarettes 
at night. But anyway, so I'm in the midst of quitting smoking and I'm driving the car. That was the thing. It wasn't, it wasn't the physical uh, deliverance that I needed. It was the mental and emotional deliverance. I mean, how did you know you were through eating, but that you lit up a cigarette? And how did you know, how did you drive the car, talk on the phone, whatever, and put on your makeup? How did you do all that, but that you were smoking a cigarette? I mean, I was just, that's, that was my pattern. So I'm in the car and I look over at this girl and I'm in the midst of quitting smoking, you know. I look over at this girl and she's just puffing away in a closed up car. Can you imagine how wonderful that was? And I looked at her and I thought, now I'm relating this to how we think the world system has it and we have to live by all these rules. But I looked at her and I thought, gee, she's so lucky. She gets to still smoke and I have to quit. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah, she really is lucky. I mean, just think she gets to sit in that car with all that smoke around her. And when she gets out, she'll smell like a smokestack. She gets to not be able to sit through a whole movie because she can't live without a cigarette for that long. She gets to wake up every morning wondering if that pain in her lung is cancer or what, whatever that is. Yeah, she's really lucky. I said, okay, I get your point. <laughs> she's not lucky. And so he's leading us out of old lifestyles into a new lifestyle. But, that, you know, I look at myself now, that's been... 40 or some odd years ago, and, and I can't believe I ever smoked. I can't believe I took that stuff into my lungs. How did I do that? It seems like it would have hurt, which it did, but I just pushed past that. And, and a lot of times, you know, we think that church service was too long or the ways of Christians is just too different. But actually, uh, you can retrain. I mean, I learned to drink beer. I learned to drink, I learned to smoke, and I practiced it till I got better at it. And then I had to unlearn all that. So we can change, and the fact that you're used to sitting an hour instead of two hours in a church service, well, actually, if, if, if anyway, is not a big deal. We can allow, and I guess what I'm saying is, last, last podcast, we talked about the iniquitous flow and God coming in new ways, and we're going to experience His presence and new things. And uh, the Holy Spirit's going to maybe be asking us to change our ways in some ways, but He's doing it because of His deep love for us. And He's He's been assigned the task of having us ready when, for, for the return of Jesus Christ so that we can go and we will be so happy that we listen to Him. So uh, I just encourage you with, with that. That, and the fact that I was able to quit smoking is a miracle. It's a flat miracle because, I, like I said, I was emotionally attached to the cigarettes more than physically attached to them. I was emotionally attached to them. So um, God can help you through that. If you're, if you're dealing with some sort of an addiction, uh, it's a pattern that you've developed, but it can be changed. You are changeable, and the power of the Holy Ghost is the one to do it. That's a job for him, and that's what he wants to do. So these are some thoughts on the kingdom, uh, on the kingdom of God. Jesus himself, in his first recorded public proclamation, makes two statements of fact, we just said this, and two imperatives for the action, and they were 
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom's at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The gospel being the good news. And Jesus announced these two facts. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. And he's giving two imperatives. So you repent and believe. The time is, the, the, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom's at hand. And we would say that today. The time is fulfilled. You know, there's a cup of sin that talks about in Genesis uh, about the generations when, when God was cutting covenant with Abraham, the generations. And then the cup of sin would be full. And once it got full, which folks, if I read out to you the sins of that time, they're running rampant in the earth today. So the cup is full. And all it takes is one more drop for it to spill over. And once the cup is full, that's when things change. And we're at a time for an age change. We, th these things are, um, we could be at the precipice, if you will, of an age change, a whole age change. And so we're going to have to learn new ways, uh, kingdom ways, if we haven't already. If you've been walking with God for any length of time and been obeying his word, you are learning those ways. And so you won't have as much to learn in a, hur in a hurry. So he gave two imperatives, repent and believe. Repentance is imperative to entering the kingdom. And if you fall by the wayside somewhere along the way and fall in a ditch in sin, repent and believe, and that lifts you out. You have to repent. Repentance is imperative to entering the kingdom. Believing is imperative to walking in it. So you walk in the kingdom by faith. Faith being what? An assurance of things hoped for. Faith is a confidence and an assurance. If you don't have confidence and assurance about something, then it's not faith yet. So you might need to feed it some more until you get to a place where you're assured in what you're believing for. It's obvious that Jesus' compelling passion was to preach the kingdom of God. He moved from town to town proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He, went, he sent out 70 followers to heal the sick and to announce the kingdom of God is near. This concept of the kingdom of God is mentioned 119 times in the Gospels. So Jesus came, what, to preach the good news of the gospel, to preach the kingdom, and then he came uh, to plant his life in the earth as a seed to grow the kingdom. And we call that the church now. The kingdom of God is within us, and we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom is a powerful reality. The reality is that God is at work to bring into the open a people who will voluntarily live their lives under his guidance. It's actually God's rule in our lives. So he's looking for a group of people, just like this uh, prophecy from Chuck Pierce last week said. Uh, he's looking for a group that he could put his anointing on. God's looking for a, a group of people, a, a people that are willing to submit themselves and live by his kingdom rules, his kingdom principles. Why? Because they work. Because he's lived, that's who God is. These are his principles, that's who he is, and they work. He's still God, he's still on the throne, he still rules and reign, and they work. So he wants us to have success and victory, and he wants them to work for us. And that's why he doesn't call us into that just to be religious about something. 
He's teaching us these principles because they're true and they work. And anything outside of that is not going to work. And so he's wanting the best for his children. And so he's looking, what did it say? He's looking, the reality is that God is at work to bring out into the open a people who will voluntarily live their lives under his guidance. It's actually God's rule in our lives. The kingdom is real and down to earth, present and powerful. It's here right among us right now. The kingdom, the kingdom of God, it's in our hearts and we live it out, speak it out, bring it into reality, into manifestation. What did God, Jesus say to pray? Thy kingdom come. That's a demand on the kingdom. We put a demand on the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how we pray. It's real and down to earth, present and powerful. When Jesus declared the kingdom is near, he was saying that God has invaded this earth in a new way. You may even compare it to soldiers invading an island during a war. God has established a beachhead and will not stop until the whole world is taken. (laughs) So he's established a beachhead. That's what Jesus came to do. Realizing that God, Jesus' passion was establishing the kingdom and was then willing to die for its fulfillment is a powerful thought and is the same kind of commitment found in a revolution. So Jesus, a man of peace, to bring, he, came, he came, though, to start a revolution and to win back his creation. He was announcing a dramatic and forceful change in society to people who were really longing for such a change. God was at last intervening to put things right. Jesus had something bigger in mind than a political kingdom. God's revolution was to overthrow Satan and evil and bring all the earth and, and hearts of men back into harmony with him. You know, there is a harmony in the universe. God created, all of his creation was spun out in joy and harmony. There's a musical sound to all the planets. I think they said earth is in the key of G or something like that. Mars is C. And, and there's a, NASA puts that out. There's a, the, it, he's, it's like he's, he spun it out there and the, and the word joy in the Old Testament means to spin around. So he slung it out there and it's spinning around. All the planets are spinning around in the joy of the Lord. There's a harmony in the universe. And Jesus had something bigger in mind than a political kingdom. God's revolution was to overthrow Satan. What did Satan do? He got, he, in, he came in and, and, stuck his nose where it didn't belong and the woman listened to him and he started a whole nother uh, you know what I like to liken it to I'll draw you a picture with words um, if you've been on an airplane and you've seen in the back of the magazine where they show you all the places that they go and it looks like a spider web you know there's just all these crisscrossing the oceans and everything Satan came in on God's creation and started his own little flight pattern, if you will. And, and he's got his own kingdom overlaying the kingdom of God. But now as people get born again and start learning and renewing their mind, they begin to wipe out that other spider web, that other kingdom. And they start taking and, and, and releasing the power of the kingdom of God in it. 
So he, his revolution was to overthrow Satan and evil and bring all the earth and hearts of men back into harmony with him. If any two of you agree is in touching about anything in the earth, it shall be done for them by their fathers in heaven. Agree is harmony. We get our word harmony from it. Unbelievably, this was not to be accomplished by force of arms. I was reminded that he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. But through suffering and death, my kingdom is not of this world. And if it were, my disciples would fight. So we're not called to fight physical fights, but we are called to pull down every high thing that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. We're called to... Um, See, you don't need to fight a physical fight if you know who you are in the Spirit. If you, if you sit in, in, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and rule and reign with Christ, you don't need to fight physical fights. You won't have to. Someday we'll have to look at the Scriptures and do a teaching on that. Jesus, they tried to kill him three times. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. And he just walked right through their midst. He just traversed through them. He declared that they don't have the power to touch him until the father said so. And when the father said so, he laid down his shield. That's what he did in the garden that night. He laid down that shield of favor and he let them take him. So they didn't, they didn't take him and kill him. He died for our sins. And so they let him, he let them take him. So the demand of the kingdom requires a resolute, radical, costly, and eternal decision. It would cost Jesus everything to bring God's kingdom to humankind. Could it cost you and I any less to enter into it and walk it out? So it's, it's going to cost us something. We're not going to do things our way all the time. It won't always be what I think, what I do. Sometimes I have to lay that down and die to what I feel, what I'm thinking, and let it let God's way rule. Um, the kingdom Jesus declares is real and down to earth. In fact, it is heavenly. It is heaven invading the earth. The kingdom declares a higher standard than the world's system. Get that? The law might say, do not murder, but the kingdom demands we deal with anger as soon as it first touches our heart. The kingdom has a broad invitation. Everyone is is invited in, in, just repent and believe. The kingdom is real, dynamic, and powerful. It brings healing to our bodies, reconciliation to our relationships, reality to our faith, fresh meaning to our traditions, forgiveness for our sins, and an overwhelming love in our hearts for God and for one another. We must make a resolute decision for it. We must be firm and unwavering about kingdom principles in our lives. We must make a radical decision for it. We must be willing to be extreme when necessary and to depart markedly from what is unusual and customary when necessary. We need to learn to draw on our kingdom principles. It demands subject to authority, giving, serving. This takes you above the world system. It takes to a higher road, it takes focus. Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. And then he told Nicodemus, but lest you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom, except you're born of water and the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. So I'm telling you, here's the world system with Satan in the darkness, deep darkness on the earth. And then here's 
the kingdom of God. It's all in the midst of us. And you know when it comes into manifestation? When we speak it into manifestation, when we live it in manifestation, that's when people see it in manifestation. And that's where all of our needs are met, in Christ, in that kingdom. Hallelujah. We're blessed. It, we're blessed, first, that it's available. You have hope. There's hope. I remember the first time I saw these promises of God, I was so excited because it, ga it gave me such hope that things could change in my life, that I could change. And so you can change, too. Just like I quit smoking, you can quit doing whatever it is you're doing that you're having a hard time with. Because we have a great Savior. And we have a great kingdom to belong to. And really, for what he paid for it, we, it doesn't cost us anything compared to what he paid for it. I always think about that. And that comes back to uh, what we're doing about these podcasts and praying in the last days. Believing God for our loved ones, not just our loved ones, but people that you see along the way, people that you may work with, people that you go to church with. Everybody in church is not saved, trust me. And even if they are, they have, they, they have growth that they need. They need to grow so they can get a revelation of some of these things about the kingdom. So um, that's why we're studying these things. Amen. And we have the kingdom of God at hand. We repent. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we repent where we ignored the kingdom and gone our own way. And we ask you to forgive us for that. We draw from your kingdom and your ways. And I pray that each one of us have new revelations of this. In Jesus' name, bless you in Jesus' name.